Race 22. Race 22. Podcast. Welcome to the Race 22 Podcast. Race 22 Podcast. And now your host, Langley Austin. Bobby McCarty joined us this week on Race 22 Radio, and we jumped right in. We asked him about what it's like to be with an elite team and what it was like to win the 2018 Car Shore Late Model Stock Car Championship. You know, for, for me, it's, it's hard to explain, and uh, I'm sure Josh can relate to this as well. You know, when when me and my dad started this whole deal, we didn't know what to expect. We got in the limits, and, uh, you know, we bought a really good car to start off with, and we fired out the gate really strong, and, and we was able to win a couple of races that first year, and uh, we, we backed the next year up, winning the South Boston Limited Championship, and, you know, we, we got opportunity to move up to late model, and uh, first race, we qualified on the pole, you know, and it was Philip and Deke and everybody, and I'm like, oh, man, this is easy. Like, I don't <laughs> know what everybody's talking about, you know, I'm like, oh, we're, we're set, and then uh, I, I still remember that race like it was it was yesterday. We We pushed our car down pit road and stopped right there at the end and i'm like man this is cool and then philip pulls up beside us and then lee pulls behind me and then deke pulled up beside lee and then ce pulled up you know i'm like oh man we're in it now like i it really didn't set in what had happened and then uh all that happened and of course you know philip took me to school i thought i was saving tires and yeah. uh i wasn't you know so i fell to fourth or whatever it was and then things just kind of went back and forth we we could get qualifying speed but couldn't really get long run speed and uh you know we struggled for a little bit you know in the last year we run our own car we kind of teamed up with nelson and they would help us with the setup some um and we still kept the the car in shop at the house and uh, we was able to win a race and uh you know then timothy had his his truck deal um the year he, he was in the final four for the championship and they asked me to drive for him at martinsville and and that's really what you know got the ball started for me was was getting in that car and and performing you know it's it's kind of hard to explain but you know for me it was a lot of pressure to get in timothy peter's car that everybody knows is a car that should win right. that race you know if yeah. everything goes right and uh up until that point i never even made the race at martinsville i'd, I'd qualify like 40th and get in the top 10 like sixth or seventh and then i'm just hanging out then for whatever reason we're wrecking for fifth when the top 10 <laughs> transfers but you know anyways uh just typical kinda, martinsville yeah martinsville. yeah potluck yeah um you know and we did i did really well um you know we was running third and an alternator went out and that you know it sucked i'm not gonna lie i thought i, I thought we had everything set up you know we we run the leaders down and uh marcus screamed at me on the radio don't pass them don't pass them because they still had the 25 to go with you four new ones and he was yeah. like we don't want to be leading and i'm like oh Man, I just—I think it was Lee and uh, Tommy, and I just run them down. And I'm—I'm never—I'm not used to this kind of stuff, you know. Especially yeah. at Martinsville, and so I'm like chomping at the bit, like ready to pass them. And they're—they're, they're, you know, telling me to back off and and things like that. So uh, just to from from where we've been to to where I'm at now, um, for me is is really cool. You know, the whole car store championship deal really hasn't sunk in yet. Um, still just kind of getting used to that but uh you know it's it's been a journey without a doubt it's been a, a really long journey absolutely and, and you know you were kind of right place right time i mean you said you that year you got hooked up with them yeah. to do your car and if you hadn't have been you probably wouldn't have been in that ride no no probably not um you know every once in a while you catch a break in this sport and you know i feel like that was definitely my break you know uh 
between Barry and, and Timothy and Marcus and, and Triplett and all the, the three amigos, you know, I can't – words can't even describe what that weekend meant for me. I mean, I got the – we tested our car, and I was under the impression we were driving our car. Then they called Tuesday, I think, and they was like, we need you to drive Timothy's car. And, like, I thought it was a joke at first. I was like, yeah, yeah okay. Uh-huh. I bet you do. <laughs> and then they was like, well, we need you to come down here and get fitted, you know, make sure the pedals are where they need them and the, the seat belts are right. And I'm like, oh, you're you're not playing. Like, you're being serious. And uh, my the, the where I work at is in Greensboro, and the shop's in Martinsville, and I don't think I've ever made it to Martinsville that fast before in my life. <laughs> I mean, I just couldn't wait, man. It was it, it was awesome. Yeah, you were hoping you'd get there fast enough for the Before they changed their mind, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Right. Well, you, you know, you mentioned Timothy and uh, Marcus and uh, David Triplett. What's it like to work with those three guys? I mean, all <coughs> those guys have been extremely successful in in late model yeah. stock car racing and beyond. So, I mean, tell me about that. Uh, well, um, you know, Timothy is is very peculiar. Um, you know, I don't get to go to the shop as as much as I like. I got to work my normal job, and if things work out right, or or sometimes I just need to take a day off and get there. But uh, yeah. You know, Timothy's very peculiar about everything. He wants everything perfect. He wants the, the car spotless where you can eat off of it, and I, I do my best. But, you know, it's uh, sometimes it ain't good enough. But, uh, you know, and, and, and working with him and just teaching me the stuff, you know, the right things to say at the right time, you know, with media and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I, I've I've learned a lot just from that aspect. You know, I, I before now I just get out of the car and just kind of, say whatever I want it and I never really thought about it but yeah you've never held back no um and then Timothy kind of pulled the reins back and, and taught me a lot of stuff about media and, and you know ways to attract sponsors and, and things of that nature and, and I feel like I've made leaps and bounds in that area and then uh working with Marcus is is interesting to say the least uh that man wants to win and he don't if we win by two seconds, he wants to know why we didn't win by four seconds. If he's not at the track, and if he's at the track, he's constantly, we could go out and mock up and be P1, and he's like, well, it needs to be better. What can we do to make it better? He's constantly looking. He don't he don't really care about where we're at in the field. I mean, he wants to be fastest. Don't get me wrong, but it don't matter how fast we are. He wants it to be better. There's always, and that was one of the things that he kind of brought along once he got working with you know KBM, you know, and. Uh, he said that's the biggest thing he learned working with Kyle was it's it's never good enough. He don't care if he wins by eight seconds. He he wants to win by more. He wants it to be top of the line perfect every time. Um, so Marcus has kind of brought that aspect into to how I drive the car and the things that I do with the car. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of, I mean, again, I come from just a family-owned team. So if we went out and posted like a top five time i'm happy and we're all slapping hands and everybody's you know we're ready to go but uh you know definitely changed my outlook on on how i approach races and and where i need to be and uh triplet he's uh he's a character triplet's more like my my main crew chief um most of the time i'm working with him occasionally i get to work with marcus but 95 percent of the time i'm with triplet and uh it's 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 funny working with him he, he gives me a hard time and he, he pushes me really hard but uh you know, we, we definitely have a, a good time. And between the three, they've taught me a lot about saving tires. Again, something I never did. I'd get in the car and just go from the green to the checker and then be mad at the end of the race because I didn't have a right rear or right front. <laughs> and uh, once they finally broke me of that, you know, things really changed for us. So uh, I feel like I've came a long way in the last two or three years that I've worked with them. Um, and I definitely feel like we're – we're capable of accomplishing and a lot more and you know that's what we're setting out to do every weekend 
was your, what was your relationship with them like before you got in their car? Well, like I said, they kind of helped us with the setup on our car. Um, and, you know, when we started uh, taking our car to them, um, you know, Timothy instantly started giving me, you know. Right, so you had a business relationship with them first, somewhat before yeah. and yep. then went to that. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of the same thing. As soon as I went there, they was on me about this and that. Sure. And, and things I needed to be doing different and, and taking care of the car more. I didn't. I'd get caught up in situations or, or things would make me mad and I would start doing things that I shouldn't do as far as situations I put the race car in and, and it was showing my results. You know, I'd finish fifth one weekend and then 15th the next. And, uh, you know, just at, at first it was it was a business thing and, and Timothy wanted to, to see me do better um, and, and he believed that I was capable of doing better. And I think that's just what kind of got everything going was, uh, you know, Timothy has told me plenty of times he sees a lot of, him and his dad with with me and my dad you sure. know, they they did everything together as far as racing and and that's how i've always did it was with my dad i started when i was six and it was me and him from the beginning and uh he kind of i think he kind of took a personal light to that and that's kind of what set everything up what do you find to be the biggest obstacle now right like you've talked about running for your team that you, you your family owned team and then now now converting to this which is more of the machine right with yeah. uh what what do you find to be the biggest obstacle? Because you got just this little bit of time, right? Because right. You're, now you're working more yeah. <laughs> at your regular job. Yeah. So wh what do you find the biggest obstacle to be there? Uh, I mean, there's got to be some big differences, right? There, There is. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I really feel like the, the biggest obstacle is just the pressure to perform. I mean, I'm sure Josh can relate to this, too. We're... We're both with it with really strong teams that have done. Is that an obstacle, or does that drive you? A little bit of both. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't want to get in into these cars and and run tenth every weekend. You sure. Because it, it's 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 not good for you. Um. But at the same time, you know for a fact that, you know, it don't matter the equipment you have or or the people you got around you. If you don't do your job sitting in that seat and, and give good feedback, then the whole weekend's just gone. Um. So I, I feel the. I feel more pressure driving for them because you know the car should perform. You know the car should run top three every weekend right. without a doubt. And if it doesn't, then that comes down to you not doing your job as a driver and communicating feedback like you need to. I have a couple questions for okay. you, actually. These ought to be good. Here we go. I mean, I, I've talked with you a good bit, got to know you, especially this year. I know we've talked a good bit, but um, these are pretty easy. For for okay. one, all right. You you alluded to your limited day, you know, like limited and then limited championship. What years was that exactly? Because uh, I, I mean, I remember you racing before yourself. I mean, I, but I can't remember. Was that like the first year in limiteds? I'm wanting to say it was 2011, okay. and then we won the championship in 2012, and then we moved up to late model in 2013. I, I believe is what it is. And you're how old are you? 26. 26. Yeah. And what do you do for a day job? Uh, I'm a, I mean, if I want to be, you know, real professional-like, I'm going to say automotive technician. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the real term is just a greasy old mechanic, I reckon, <laughs> is how, how I tell normal people. You no, know? right. But I mean, I, depends on how you look at it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm honestly asking because I really, you know, I really don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, the, the shop I work at is a shop that my dad opened up when I was seven. Um, and it's just a five-bay it's nothing you know nothing special but it's it's his you know he worked really hard for it and uh you know i went to school to to build engines and stuff and 
uh, just kind of seemed like the obvious thing to do is it's a business already set you know we got a good customer base we've been going for about 18 years now um, so I mean everything's already there and it's a it's a successful business that's on top of that so uh, I mean the roads already paved all just, I gotta do is drive it just to put a little perspective on it though that that's a great question from the simple fact of think about that people that are winning a limited championship in 2011 work their ass off i'll go ahead and say the first one <laughs> um wor worked it off until they get to here and i think people get confused by that as to how much work you really did put in oh, yeah. to get to that point oh he just got this no 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 no, no that, that's not what it was about I, i've had forgotten the martinsville thing i i, I did too I, yeah. until I, he I said it, it but I, forgot I, too. I knew it but i, I, I guess i forgot I had, oh, <laughs> I had, I, but i had forgotten that you know that you 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 getting that opportunity i remember how well you run it come back it you know I, I remember that and i see how you know the path led to that and i mean another thing that you have going is an incredible owner i mean uh, oh, he yeah. seems i mean from the outside i mean i i, I guarantee you that he's putting a lot of his own money in oh, a yeah. lot of you know he's there every week and i mean those those type of people that are that passionate and dedicated to the sport are hard to come by nowadays yeah they yeah. are um and you know barry he he loves racing i mean that's yeah. that's his thing he loves racing um and, and he puts a lot into it you know he's, he's at the shop and and he helps out as much as he can um <laughs> But uh, <laughs> you know, we got um, Zach Bruinger over here delivering <laughs> beers to the guest here. So. Um, but you know, we talk about Barry, and Barry cares a lot about the sport. But um, you know, Kirk Opox, the the same mm -hmm. kind of deal. You know, he he sponsors a lot of race cars. He sponsors a lot of events. I mean, he sponsored all five of our cars at Martinsville and uh, Lee's car, and it might have been one other car. And then he sponsored so y'all for yeah, the beach. Myrtle beach yeah. Um, you know, I mean. The sport needs people that genuinely just care about the 100%. sport. They they, they love the sport. They want to see cars go around the racetrack, and they want to be a part of it. And that's that's really what we we. I feel like as far as as late model stock racing goes, if we could get more corporate companies involved that that just love the sport and, and, and can help fund you know drivers. I mean, there's plenty of people like me and Josh that that are just waiting for that opportunity. And if you could get you know, I mean, this stuff costs money. I don't care what you're doing. If you're in, if, right. I, if you're racing shopping cart buggies at Walmart in the parking lot, at some point you're gonna start putting money into it. You know. But the thing I can't figure out is everything costs money, right? Like oh, yeah. my kid plays lacrosse or does basketball or does whatever, and I know micro to macro they're two different numbers, right? right? But but like how how do we get more people to want to do it or to make it more affordable? That, you know, Langley had a, a good post this week that we should get into where he did, you know, what was the worst of two evils, the spindles or the tires. Right. And, and it was really kind of divided, and it wasn't meant to go that way. But I'm I'm just interested where it goes. Where How do we get it there? You're a guy that came from your own family team, worked his ass off. I'm not allowed <laughs> to swear on here. Uh, worked, his, worked his ass off, right, and then got a break. Got a break, got put under tremendous pressure at that break at one of the biggest stages that there are. Thrived on it, continued to go forward. W where, where is it? Where's the hook? I, I don't know. Because you're passionate about oh, it, I'll, so yeah, right. So oh, there's yeah. got to be where. Where's the hook to get more people passionate? I, I think more, and the car store kind of touched on this at the beginning of the year. They, you know, they they was talking to us about fans, and that was one of the things that just kind of stuck with me. He said, you know. 
the fans are the reason why we're even allowed to be here. So anytime you have a, a meet and greet, whatever the case, if you're walking to your truck, leaving or your car, whatever the case, you need to make that personal connection with everybody sure. you come in touch yeah. with. And I think that's that's one of the things that would, would really help is make everybody feel personal. You know, you, you kind of look at some of this stuff and, I mean, it's just a kid coming up for an autograph, but if you can stand there and talk to him, make his day, I mean, all that stuff matters. And I think the more – the more personal drivers can be with fans, sponsors, whatever the case, that I feel like that brings people in. Because any any sport you watch, you you want to have some kind of connection with somebody. Sure. You look right. at Dale Earnhardt Sr. He had more more people connected to him with anything because of who he was and and how he raced. And that's right. I think that's one of the things that everybody needs in any kind of sport is you need you need that connection, that emotional connection that you feel like you and that guy on different circumstances could be best friends. You know, depend. You know, and I think that's that's one of the things we need and I don't feel like we're really getting there you know I mean a, a lot of the drivers are are great with their fans but I, I think there's more things we could do you know media stuff like this just to get more people involved kind of understand people's backstory a little bit more and get that personal connection with with everybody and I think that would bring more people into the sport right and hopefully that's what this show does is bring you know yeah. you guys closer to fans you know oh, and, yeah. and lets them know who you really are because Many people didn't know your story. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I knew it. I was at your, I think your first limited test. Yeah, so. we well remember we we did the whole hero card yep. photo shoot yep. and yep. and right. all that, and that was that yep. feels like a long time ago. That was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. Before sure. we get into all the the hot topics, all you right. know, I, I think I was gonna touch on this because I know there was a post last week a little bit that took my words I felt like a little bit out of context and it, and it leads me into a question that I have for him that I think about often and uh, you know someone like yourself that has raced yourself and owned your own race car done every done it the Saturday night short tracker way where I mean go to work come home work you know put all that effort in and then you get an opportunity with Nelson Motorsports and now you're working with you know, Marcus and, and Triplet and all these smart people and you have these nice race cars and, you know, really, you know, I'm not going to say everything you need, but I mean a way better opportunity. I mean, not necessarily just the equipment, but just the people that you're surrounded with, the direction yeah. that you're working on. How hard and could you go back, if, if that opportunity expired tomorrow, could you go back and race your own car like you did before, knowing what you know now? And what it takes, and how much effort's going in, and how you know, you know, you think about the people part of it. I mean, if you yeah. go back to just going, you and your dad, kind of doing yourself. I mean, would you still have the same drive <laughs> to race, or has the the taste of the, you know, the, just the, I guess you know, just the better opportunity, taken that away? Well, you know, Dad and I have talked about this a lot. Um, you know, at the end of every season, we talk about this because there's that possibility that I can't sure. afford it the next year I mean that's a very real possibility and and we've kind of been back and forth about that I mean, I've been racing since I was six you know this is all I know this is my life um so of course I want to do what it takes to compete but if it come down to it I I, w I would do what I could to to build my own stuff again and, and and try to compete but having said that I would probably take a season off because I know what I know you now. understand I now. know what it takes I know like if I want to do something like the cars tour I know where my equipment needs to be and I know I know what it takes to win so I would I would probably take a season off get all my stuff together get everything I needed that I felt like I needed 
and I would try it. I mean, I, I don't, I really don't believe I would be as as successful because, like now, you know, we got four guys that that's their job. They work on them race cars, and and that's they, they're full time. They're there every day. Um, sometimes it's two, two or three in the morning, and and on those nights I can be there. Um, but you know, looking at it now, um, you're competing against guys, and I'm sure you're. And sellers is the same way. They got their regular employees that are full time. That's what they do is they work on race cars. I, I know going into it that me coming home and working seven to 11, you know, four hour shift on my race car every night, sometimes longer, maybe some on a off week, maybe shorter. I know that it's going to be way harder. Uh, I mean, yeah. I just, you don't have the time. You, st If you race in this weekend and you tear something up and you got to race next weekend, you know, you got to essentially rebuild it. If you got a front clip, it, you got to rebuild a car and, and you figure you get to the shop on Monday you get it back Tuesday. You got two days to build it, so you can have it to the track on Friday to test it to make sure everything went the way it's supposed to. I mean, it's it's way harder, but I I, I like that kind of pressure. You know, I, I I've kind of always been the underdog. You know, like I got used to running our own stuff, so we moved at late model, and nobody really talked about me. They didn't know who I was. They really didn't yeah. care, and I I fed off that. That pressure is what drove me to to be even better and figure out what I need to do as a driver, even if the car wasn't there. I would find it. I didn't care what it took. I would I would move from the inside wall to the outside wall, and I would find it and, and make it work. And that would be a fourth or fifth place finish. Whereas to now, if the car is not exactly there, I, I still have to go find it. Just like I mean, a race car is never perfect. Yeah. I'm just going to ask much. you that. How many? How many? That's something that I want to ask every driver. And I thought about it after last week. Is for the young people. How many times have you both had perfect cars? Never. I never. Right, like I mean, I I, I, I I know we're always trying to achieve, right? And there, you've won by mass quantity of links, Josh. And, and you, I, I, I'm, I don't like. I, I want the young people to understand that they have the steering wheel and they can manipulate the car and they can drive the car. And I'm not saying that your cars aren't set up a little more thoroughly or with more engineering behind them, but at the end of the day, you're still able. to to manipulate the car and you may get in something mm -hmm. else both of you either one of you can get in something else and you're not two seconds off where you were yeah. you're not four right. tenths off where you were you know what i mean hey it didn't turn as good so i'm a half a tenth here i'm a half a tenth here but but it's not right w work on becoming you because the race car isn't mysteriously getting better right you, you know what i mean i, I think a, you kind of start talking about that and i, I kind of think of of craig moore I mean, I'm pretty sure from the engine to the chassis, he built that thing from, yeah. from ground up. Yeah. And you look at South Boston. I mean, that was – if I was a fan, I, I'd, I'd come out – I'd come unglued. I mean, to yeah. see somebody like that win a race like that against who he was racing, at the end of that right. race, everybody was there. <laughs> uh, the top, the best of the best was there. And I, I've talked to Craig quite a bit, and I know about that car. And you just – I mean, not taking anything away from him, but the guys he was racing with, I know – have a little bit better stuff here and there and here and there sure. and it, it can add up but when it comes down to it he he wanted that win and he and he found a way the car was i could see the car i mean he had wheel i mean he was driving it, it for all he it was had driving it, yeah. and he won the race and and it comes down to like the way i always look at it is who wants it the most you know you, your car is never perfect i mean it can be really really good and you might be scared to i'm sure he's been in this situation where it's so good you really don't want to touch it but you think it needs to be better um, so you just kind of leave it or you adjust it and you make it worse, whatever the case. But still, when it comes down to the last 20 laps, you still got to – if you're in a dogfight, you got to find it. And, and I think Craig Moore is a 
perfect example. The car wasn't right, and he was the underdog in that situation, and he he put his elbows up and, and won the race, and that's what it's that's what it's all about. How big of a swing was it for you from bearing that whole load? of running your family-owned type deal and getting a little bit of help, right? Like, how big of a sp- of a pressure difference is that? I, I I think everybody wants it, but can can you take the good with the bad? You, you know what I mean? How yeah. big of a... Uh, I, I, to me, it, it almost... It, well, it, it felt like a ton of pressure. Because, like I said, you you have to perform. I mean, you're... Right. We're both put under a lot of scrutiny because of who, who we're sure. affiliated with. Sure. It's some of the best of the best, and we got the best people. Um, so you, you know that pressure's there, and you know if you go to South Boston this weekend and run 12th, that's all people's going to talk about. Mm-hmm. That's all they're going to talk about. See, so you finish 12th in, in a Nelson Motorsports car or a junior motorsports car, right. and you know for a fact that it should be better. So there's there's a ton of pressure there to every weekend. You know if you don't finish top three, people's going to say something negative about I, you. I think young people right. a lot of time think, oh, I just get that big ride, and then I don't have to worry about paying the bills. And I don't think they understand the the pressure that comes along with that ride right like they just look at you guys both like oh they've made it right they got the greatest thing that there is and they they don't understand that then the switch flips and it's a different deal because you got people to answer to that's not your dad anymore mm-hmm. and yep. why did you tear this up and hey you know did you work out five times this week because that's what we need you to do nope you you video gamed. You, you know what I mean. Yeah. I think I think those things. It's when it becomes real all of a sudden. Yeah. And I, I'm interested in that. That's why I keep. I think that. I mean that. That's what I wanted to get on because I felt like, and, and maybe in a way, what we talked about last week maybe got taken a little bit out of context. But I don't think, at all. You know, we were trying to put down the the local Saturday night racer. No, not I mean, at it's all. It's just no. a yeah. fact of where racing's at now. And but hold on, let me finish. Go ahead. But <laughs> but we're racing that now that you're racing with teams that have three, four, five employees. Correct. Everybody, I mean, just what it takes. It's it's less about you know what or me me what I do. But I mean, I'm more impressed with a Craig Moore or a Deke McCaskill or somebody. Well, I mean, we're not saying right. that you know they can't win. Right. I mean, we're just saying that it's harder. Oh yeah. So what Josh is referring to is uh, Tim McDougald. He's a regular listener huge supporter of race 22 and he kind of took out of context the the thing about you know the grind and how you guys you know work full time and you know took that as you know meaning that you know the other guys aren't grinding as hard which isn't the case for sure i mean those guys are going and working a full-time job and then going and working on the car so i mean it's not that i don't don't think i don't think the small time guy really understands how important he is Oh, I truly sure. believe that. Yeah. Uh, that, that the 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 small time guy has now become the most undervalued person in the whole pit area because the minute that he stops coming is the minute that it's over. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like the minute yeah. that he stops coming is the minute that the whole sport because not everybody can spend that, but I need the guy and I'm not even saying from a shop perspective, I'm talking about from a racing perspective. You need that guy that works a job, that has his 22-foot trailer, that wants to come. And you know what? He's fine with running 15th, but he's starting. No, I'm not devaluing. I don't think yeah. anybody and wants I mean, to no. see the guy that's the Saturday night racer that doesn't work during the week on it, you know, that has to grind through a normal job. He, he, they, they put themselves down all the time, and it really bothers me because – 
they're actually the most valued person, I think, at the racetrack because people understand the sacrifice that they have to put into it yep. to be able to come because both no. of you two understand the numbers better than anybody. No, I mean, the cost alone just to go, I mean, just in, to run a, a deal like a car store and, and the, the tires and the engines and the entry fees and pit passes and everything. I mean, if you just add it up, I mean, it's astronomical. I mean, I, I couldn't, it's I don't something know. that I could... I don't know how they do it. I, I don't know how they do it either. I've I mean, calculated I it over and over in my mind because I'm a numbers guy, and I cannot figure it, out it how is, they do it. I mean, it, it's, it all goes back to this whole thing, you know, that we started talking last week about bringing costs down and stuff. And, I mean, I, it's just – it's gotten so far out there that, I mean, I you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what, which is the right way to go. But, I mean, at, at this point, I mean, everything's expensive. I mean, tires, motors, engines, parts. I mean, it's no doubt. I mean, I think you know, certain things get brought brought up more than others, you know, that we've touched on. But I mean, everything's expensive. I mean, I mean, you look at the snowball derby this past what Monday, and I mean, they're, you know, they wipe off pit stops, you know, and that's something that, like, uh, we had talked amongst ourselves today about, and it's like, I mean just the cost alone that those teams are spending i mean i don't even think people even know to know no, how much it costs no, I, I mean I, I mean them guys are getting paid a thousand dollars to go down there they're each. getting yeah each each yeah, yeah five it, people for, I, think for, I think for the, they all want chartered flights the rcir guys it cost i i think don't quote me on this but i think eric wilson told me it was 10 grand i think 10 or 15 that's 000. probably right I mean, I'd say yeah, to get that was that's with the their travel. Thing. You rent yeah. them. You rent a van. Hotels. I, yeah, I, I, I don't think yeah. anybody did it. I don't know if they were allowed to do it at the end, but I think that's what he had said was the minimum cost to be. I mean, so you look. I mean, that's a perfect example of, you know, and obviously I'm not saying you know with our racing we don't have live pit stops or whatever, but still, I mean, just think of the cost that that's going to save in itself. I mean, I know some people might not like it, but whatever. I mean, just uh, I don't think it's not, you know. You can't relearn the technology that we know. Back in 1985 when they were running the Snowball Derby and it was me, you, and Bobby changing tires for our buddy, yeah. having 17 and a half second pit stops. Well, now here we are 25 years later. Now we know that these professional athletes are athletes and right. can right. do tire changes at 12 seconds. That's a good place to say that NASCAR did well. At least Martinsville, we don't have a... Hello. I must be going... Yes, indeed, Roger. No live pit stops at the late model stock car show at Martinsville is a huge cost-cutting measure for sure. We want to thank Bobby McCarty for joining us Monday, and we also want to thank you for listening to Race 22 Podcast. More podcasts from that show and much, much more coming up. Be sure to stay logged on to Race22.com. I must be...